Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. This is the Sawn Outdoors Podcast. Well, I guess we'll dive right in. Um, we got Ian, Zach, and myself, McCade, sitting here. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, this podcast is going to be out a little late, a little later than usual, but for good reason. We were able to, uh, I guess, go complete uh, uh, part of a podcast that we started a couple weeks ago. We released a podcast with uh, Scott Thompson of Thompson Long Range. And so... Uh, Saturday, we were able to go out and shoot with Scott and his dad, Mark. So this podcast is going to be recapping all of that and some of the stuff that we learned. Um, But before we dive in, I think we wanted to kind of talk about some of the awesome things that uh, Kings is coming out with this year. Yes, we do. Kings is a great sponsor, um, supporter of this podcast. Without them, this podcast would really struggle. (laughs) Yeah. Even more than it does. Hey, we own it though. That's right. That's true. We like it. It just was a. It started out as a hobby. So yeah, anything's better than nothing. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty much a hobby. <clears throat> Zach, talk about some of the pieces the Kings is releasing this year. Well, I'm still gonna steal a little bit of Ian's thunder, but they they're coming out with a new Sonora pant. They call it. It's a lighter material than their Ridge pant. Um, so it's gonna be a little bit better for the. Hotter summer months, going to breathe a little bit better during your summer scouting trips, things like that. So it's got the zippers, um, you know, kind of the hideaway zippers. But I can't remember the exactly the two colors that are coming out because they just, just recently. the charcoal and the khaki. Charcoal and khaki, that's it. Yeah, just the solids. Yeah. So I'm excited for that because as much as I, lo- I love my ridge pan, it, it still holds in a little bit of heat. It especially does. during the summer. So I, yeah, I love the ridge pan. I go hiking that thing a lot. But... In all honesty, I had the Preacher Pant, which is a heavier gauge material. Mm-hmm. And last year on the Antelope Hunt, I wore those almost exclusively because they have the uh, the vents on the side. The vents. So even right. though it's a heavier pant, I was still able to get more airflow. Compared to the Ridge. Compared to the Ridge Pant. So I'm mm-hmm. stoked for this uh, Sonora Pant to come out and just be yeah way more breathable. Yeah, and I wore the Ridge Pant um, all three seasons last year, hunting archery, muzzleloader, and, and rifle, and felt comfortable. I mean, it wasn't something like... I was thinking about it nonstop, but you could definitely tell in, in July and August that a little toasty, but then in October, it was awesome. Yeah. I didn't feel like I needed the, the preacher pant. It kept me plenty warm. No long johns, no nothing, but you know. It's very similar to the ridge pant um, as far as the construction of it. I mean, it's four-way stretch fabric, quick dry performance fabric, has that water-resistant f- finish, mm-hmm. and also the same polygene odor technology. Odor control technology, I should say. Just a lighter weight material? Is that Just one? lighter weight. Um, I think it's laid out slightly different. Um, the It has a, instead of like the cargo pockets, it just has like one side pocket on the right. Like, like the a tight zipper pocket. pocket. Yeah. yeah. Just a streamlined pant, streamlined version of the Ridge pant. They almost look weight. like a jean a they, little bit to almost. me. Like some just, of those ads they did look a little bit like a jean. Yeah. 
And it's look, supposed to be like everyday slash early the, season stuff. What I like about it is is they're not they're they're pretty form fitting. Not saying I'm in the skinny jeans or anything <laughs> like that. Yes, you are. But you know, I've had some some hunting pants. You know, even some of King's earlier products. You know, they got the big cargo pocket on the side. And oh yeah, always would catch on brush and things like that. Yeah, they're cotton baggy. Cotton line, yeah. yeah. And so I like how these kind of. I think that you know it's attributable. Attributable. Is that a word? If you say I don't it know right, what it is. Attributable. <laughs> attributable. I don't know. That sounds worse. Yeah. Uh, well. A T T R. Yeah, I'm just okay. kidding. But um, I think you know just their efforts in trying to make you as stealthy as possible as well. You know. Just no, that's true. To be it's slimline everything. Yeah, it's hard to know where extra materials at all the time, and so like if everything's tighter, and like you said, that's not skin tight, but if it's closer to you, more right. form fitting, then it moves almost exactly the way your body moves, and there's nothing extra to catch on things. And I've definitely liked that a lot. So yeah. you don't like the hunt suede? In suede. <laughs> but they also are coming out with the Sonora shorts. Oh, I did not know that. That looks pretty sweet. That, okay, yeah. I'm wearing shorts every day now. <laughs> yeah. This short does look pretty but cool. They are got they, a whole bunch of stuff. Are out. they half as hot as the Sonora pant? I would say it depends <laughs> on if you're buying the full knee length Here's or a the question. three-quarter length. I'm saying, why don't they call H- it T? Like longs because yeah. you got shorts why not longs yeah but like when you're building pants <laughs> if you build them from the top down you get to the knees and you just stop there it's like well now i want a longer version of this pant mm. should be longs because mm. the longs. short came first that's right i mean could you imagine people hunting <laughs> anyway, <in> capris <laughs> we had a tangent people here people do mid shin but here let, let me run down I, I got the website pulled up real quick um showing the 2019 stuff coming out in the xkg line they've got the Foundation 260 Merino quarter zip. So that, that's that? a warmer. It's a heavier. It's a heavier I think weight. It's a slightly heavier weight. The pocket, they've added the pocket to it. Oh, okay. The chest pocket. They have the Elevation quarter zip tee. I have that and is awesome. Uh, yeah, it's the blue one. I went fishing in yeah. that. It's rad. It does dude. look sharp. Dude, mm-hmm. love it's it. It's got the SPF protection yep. and things like that. It's such a good shirt. Yep. Um, then, like we talked about, the Snore Pant, the Snore Short. Um, also, here's the a little bit lighter weight, the Foundation 150 Merino quarter zip, so compared to the 260. Is that the same they as changed. the Merino wool they've been carrying it at 150? I think they changed they the changed Merino. They changed the Merino, I think, is the deal. So oh, all the Merino's okay. different, and it looks like they've got two weights this yeah. season. Because my Merino wool it tends to be a different color. This looks darker, and the I think the camel pattern pops a little bit more. It's hard to, to tell on a photo. It is well, hard to tell on a photo. Yeah, I guess but that's I don't know. true. Maybe it does. That was the one. Sharper. That was like the first thing I noticed when I bought my merino wool last year. Was I was just like, oh, it's a little lighter than a little else, lighter yeah. than like your if you were to wear desert shadow, you and, know, ridge band. Yeah. And then we got the foundation 150 merino bottom. Uh, in the hunter and classic series, they added a weather pro insulated jacket, mesa pant, classic cotton full zip hoodie. Here's where it gets really fun. This is cool. Some of the We've been waiting for these accessories for so long. They added some lightweight, some midweight, and some insulated gloves, and they look awesome. They also offer them in uh, solid colors. They do, yeah. In addition to the camo. So uh, I was checking out the midweight. They're kind of like a more of a mechanics-type glove. Mm-hmm. They are, yeah. In that, exactly. that uh, yeah. dark khaki looks like freaking military. <laughs> like, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's great. And, and then the, I want to say real quick, the thing about the – the gloves. You tried them on, Kate? I have not. Oh, you have not? Have you tried them on? I haven't. I've tried them on. All of them. Fancy and they, fancy. you know, normally when you go get, like, a camel glove from, you know, like, your typical cotton camel yeah. company, you know, like, Kings is sort of known for, um, 
they don't fit well. Like the pinkies are extra long or something, right, you know, right. or, or the middle finger's too short or the, the way the thumb flexes isn't right. They've nailed it with all three of these gloves. Even the, um, I mean, I'm not saying they probably didn't, but the insulated gloves, the bigger pair. Yeah, and you can good. you can layer them too. Layer and, them. and I was asking Andrew, and he's like, oh, that's not what it's meant for, but yeah, I guess you could do that. So I put the light the lightest one on and then inside the, the, the uh, heaviest weight, and it mm. was amazing. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Um. Then it bring the next piece is uh, one that I'm super stoked on because I've been talking to Andrew and those guys over at Kings for a while. <laughs> you have been about <laughs> gaiters. I started wearing gaiters uh, in 2016 when I had my elk tag, and I haven't looked back. I love gaiters. So yeah, their first their first round of gaiters were really grab on that. They they collected everything. Yeah. Yeah. They left a lot to be desired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. Th- just from what I've seen, I, I I haven't put my hands on these yet either. But just from what I've seen, these gators are yeah awesome. They've even worked. They've put a lot of even in effort the into making these the right gator. Yeah, they're they're more form fitting to the boot. Their first ones were just kind of like bleh, well, I don't know, and they're durable. Baggy. Yeah, they're durable, <clears throat> and they've key. come up with a, a shell that isn't gonna be noisy. First of all, I know that was a big thing that they were trying to avoid, mm-hmm. and then also. They didn't want to be collecting all the burrs right. like the old ones did. Having a waterproof fabric that's quiet is it's hard. Huge. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But I think they nailed it. Yeah. Um, and then real quick, I know we want to get this podcast on the road, but they, they've added a lot to their lifestyle, everyday line. Lifestyle stuff. They've got these awesome. tri-blend fleece hoodies, tri-blend long-sleeve crew. Um, they've got these tri-blend tees, tri-blend hooded tees, and then performance logo hoodie tee. Like just all yeah, kinds of great cool. stuff. They're comfy. I've got a tri-blend tee, a couple of those, and I, th- I think I got the logo hoodie tee, and I think it was just really comfy. <clears throat> so definitely be on the lookout for those. You can get the lifestyle stuff now. Um, the rest of the, the actual like hunting gear um, and accessories, that stuff's going to be end of this month coming out really soon. Yeah, yeah. should be mid the end mid of or end of June. Yeah. So before you're out on your hunts. Yeah, because everyone's finding out what they've drawn now. Yeah. yeah, and so now that you know what you need to be picking up, and don't forget to use our son code to check outdoors. outdoors. Son outdoors. Yeah, it's changed since last year, right? Yeah, it it'll be changing every once in a while, um, just to protect the integrity of the code mm-hmm. um, from those couponing sites and whatever. But um, son outdoors currently. One word. Always check. Yeah, one word. S A. What does that outdoors. get a person? Fifteen percent off anything Clearance. and everything. Sale items, you name it. That's cool. So yeah, you just put stuff in the cart, whatever that total is, no matter what discounts are already applied, no sales going on. Then you put our code in, and it's fifteen percent off that number you saw first. And we've had a lot of people reach out to us and say, "Hey, you know, the only reason I got that is I heard you guys on your podcast talk about it, and that yeah. saved me a bunch of money." It does, yeah. So that's cool. So you guys it's, need to look it's into the best. It. Best uh, discount code out there for Kings. So, yeah, ours it, is the best. Don't go up. looking for another one because this is the <laughs> highest one they've, they've given out. So, Son, San, Son. However, you want to say it, Sean, but it's S A H N. So, guys, you know what you're hunting, hopefully. Get you some camo, get ready for the hunts. It's going to be a great year. Yeah, the lifestyle stuff, too, is great. Yeah. So, Let's talk about Saturday. That was just two days ago. Mm-hmm. We went uh, to northern Utah, a um, couple-hour drive for us, and we we went to their to the Thompson Long Range shop there where they have all their equipment set up. Kind of um, the beginning. Yep. Beginning and that, Long Range. We went in, and uh, we were actually waiting for one other person to show up, and so uh, Scott, who we had on the podcast before, his dad 
Mark, kind of the whole brains and um, started the whole operation at Thompson Long Range. He's like, hey, Scott, while we're waiting for your buddy, why don't you take these guys in and show them your trophy room? We're like, yeah, we want to see this. Scott's killed some awesome animals. Yeah, some. (laughs) Like, I mean, I'm sure it's just a small area of the wall. So he marches us into this little outbuilding, <laughs> little garage, has a back room, and what do you think that thing was like? Holy feet crap, long. I forgot about yeah. that one. <laughs> you did? <laughs> yeah. I did forget about that one. You're still stuck on I'm the office. I'm still stuck in the office. <laughs> so and don't get in ahead his of house. Yourself okay. Here. So <laughs> we go in this thing, and there's like probably 30 deer mounts. In he there. had just hung them up. Between the three of us, we didn't have enough fingers or toes to count them all. I didn't even take pictures in that one, but I know. He, he has ton of stud <laughs> that buck mounted. with like seven inch long eye guards it's like oh they're all incredible and then <clears> he's <throat> got some sheds and things hanging in there so he's like we're, uh, we we kind of start walking out and we're like well what about that buck you killed uh, you know two years, years ago, ago um on the archery hunt and he's like oh that's inside <laughs> in <Yeah>. the house <laughs> I'm like, oh you you have a special room for the the really good trophies <laughs> So we we go up in there and walk into his office and holy cow! What were there like eight, nine bucks in there? Yeah, something. something like no, that. Up on the wall, there was that. Was no. just the one pedestal or were there two pedestals? Is there only eight or nine? I got pictures, one, but two, anyway. Three, four, five, <laughs> you can keep talking while I can. There was probably nine, nine or ten, I think. Well, how many in the first room? Oh, thirty-ish. Thirty-ish bucks. So there were eight, I think. Eight, eight in that. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm a believer in horn porn. If you could please send me that picture, that'd be great. <laughs> but it, it, it was pretty cool. He walked, didn't tell like elaborated, drawn out stories on all of them. Yeah, he's so humble because you're like, in that first room, you were like, so tell us a little bit about these. And he just goes around, Idaho, Nevada, Nevada, Wyoming, Idaho, Colorado. Oh, that Colorado. was my first buck ever. Da, 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 yeah, da. no story. Just kind of. <laughs> that one's a 38-incher. So. Which but, I saw... Yeah, a picture on his Instagram with that buck, that 30-inch wide buck. Hmm. He's wearing a knee brace. I'm like, dude, what? this guy's... You talking about the two-point? Yeah, two-point? the really wide one that oh, he yeah. had to replace the velvet on and put the fake stuff on it that mm-hmm. he was bummed about. Yeah. yeah, he said that thing fell off a 200-foot cliff. 200-foot cliff. And just landed butt destroyed. down. Just in shell rock, the picture was. But he, uh, yeah, he's in a knee brace. I'm like, stalking in on a... Buck wearing a knee brace, a Don Joy knee brace. And here we are you can shoot about a extra thousand fabric yards, Zach. To, to me, to be honest with you, to Smoked me, it within a thousand. that's what is impressive to me. Is this guy doesn't just say, you know what, I I own, you know, I'm part of this Thompson Long Range deal. I'm just gonna hunt rifles. I would say half of his bucks were killed with a bow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and he's lethal with that bow. Yeah, this is the other thing. You got to go back and listen to the first podcast we actually recorded with Scott. He talked about it in there, but when uh, you guys drove separately from the class, the, to know, the, the range. classroom portion to the mm-hmm. range, and I rode with Scott and his buddy, <clears throat> and he was talking to his buddy because his buddy was asking him all these questions, and he's like, you know, even though we can shoot that far, he's like, I like to be aggressive, and he's like, my like ideal range is under 500 yards. Yeah. I like to get in as close as I can, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really cool. This is coming from a guy who... You know, he makes an income off of long-range shooting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> I thought that was really neat. Yeah, and in that first podcast, he talks about how they use that, hey, I can shoot a 1,000 yards to build your confidence for that 300, 400-yard yeah. shot. 
you know, like you so know that's it, what they want it to be for. I think predominantly, not yeah. necessarily. Like give that confidence to a thousand. Like, oh, I I can easily make this chip right. shot at three. You know? But it was pretty crazy to listen to Scott tell us a story about that buck that he had spotted living in that avalanche shoot. Oh yeah. And he said that he he watched he saw, he spotted him one year, couldn't get in on him, found him again, and he realized the only way he could kill that buck was long range because there's no way to stalk in from the top, nowhere, no way to get to him. And he's like, I practiced all summer long at 1,300 yards, 1,300 yards, 1,300 yards, killed him at 1,271. Yeah. Holy just spot on, just crap. 1,271. I think I was taking pictures. It, yeah, it's, it's, it was in his office, that yeah. buck. And yeah. It's like, holy cow. But in, one thing I got from him is, man, he puts in the work, summer scouting for him. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. even his out-of-state tags. You know, I asked him, I was like, oh, did you? he's like, well, we knew about this buck from the year before, or, you know, or, oh, we went in in the summer, spotted this buck, knew we were going to hunt him. So I was impressed with that, too. But they definitely get their hunting in. It's cool. Well, and <laughs> <Yeah>. they're scouting <laughs> with the pile of memory cards on that desk. Dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. There were really probably, cool. like, 30-plus cards sitting there on mm-hmm. the desk. <laughs> it looked like a big pile of gold coins. Just Jace about. is probably listening to this podcast. He's like, oh, I've got 60 on mine right now. <laughs> 60 in my pocket yeah so if as if the first trophy room in the garage and the office weren't as impressive enough oh yeah we we leave his house we go over to begin the, the shop course, so we walk in the shop and there are like elk racks where the elks are everywhere <laughs> well i think there was nine elk one mounted the other european and then i think there was like 12 more deer in there there were a lot yeah. I didn't and there's a bunch of pronghorn as well there's a lot. And of every stuff. single one in there, I would have mounted shoulder mount. And they're just year <laughs> old. Yeah, you know, just I'm just like, wow. Man, what am I doing wrong with my life? <laughs> so, but really, yeah, just from the beginning, just like you said, Scott was really humble. Just like, yeah, this is the state it's killed in. You don't need to know anything else. You know, just If kinda, you ask, though, he would tell you. And, and he's a very, yeah, yeah, he is a very humble guy. He's so. not going to give you more information than what you asked for just to sound cool. He's just like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, here it is. For sure, that's a good point. But his dad, though, Mark, right from the beginning, I didn't know, really know who he was at first. I thought Scott ran the whole thing, so he like introduces himself. I'm like, oh, that's cool. His dad comes and helps his son out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Mark sits us down. He's like, okay, we're gonna go through this booklet, you know. And 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 then he starts off talking about how he first got into long range, which was a cool story. I thought, <clears throat> age of ten, shooting a dart gun. Yeah. Wanting to figure out how he can shoot that dart gun further. And straighter, so it's still stuck to the TV. We all did. I mean, I did that. Do you guys remember doing stuff like that? You always see how far back you can go and get that dart to stick like the wall. I think wall it was more like a rubber band gun. How far back can I go and it still hurts when it hits my sister? <laughs> you know, something like that. That's all about shot placement for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, eyeball shot from 25 yards away still hurts, dude. But it's, it was just cool to hear him how he's like, hey, I was 10 years old and I tore this gun apart, stretched the spring out, and he's like, I got 10 more feet out of that. Yeah. You know, and just kind of. Hearing that backstory. I wasn't tearing stuff apart like that at 10 years old. I was building a lot of cool stuff with Legos, but I wasn't <laughs> stretching springs out in my dart guns. Yeah. That's pretty cool. He was, I mean, he's into guns from an early age, and then he's into figuring out how he could be more accurate. Yeah. And shoot further. And so that was really cool. Um, without giving too much away, he showed us a proprietary uh, design he was working on with a bullet that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's waiting for a patent on that. So I mean, the whole idea of makes so much sense. It blows my mind. No one else thought of that first. <laughs> yeah, you would think that would have been. <laughs> Who knows? It's, it's crazy. I know. 
But, I'm so excited <clears throat> if that works. So let, let's talk about kind of how it went from there. We we kind of got introduced to the, all the the bucks and bulls and everything, and then we went in and, and like Zach said, we started going through this booklet. But let's let's talk about that. What the booklet? <laughs> from there on. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, man. Well, he made fun of me for not being able to turn pages. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he ta- he talked a lot about a lot of different ratios, um, what you need in a bullet, uh, whether it, you know um, force and, and yardage and, and speed and and he taught us a lot about how to read even a box of bullets. Yeah, I had no idea what the coefficient of a bullet meant. Yeah, the BC, the I ballistic coefficient. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what that meant and so to hear him talk about what is better what isn't better what you're looking for things like that i was like holy cow so the way that i understand ballistic coefficient is basically how aerodynamic is it does that sound about right the ability of that bullet to fly Mm -hmm. like through the air to maintain it yeah to to maintain its energy or something and be yeah and the the graphs that he showed us he showed us like a high coefficient bullet and it Mm -hmm. was slender and sleek and then you had the lower numbered and it was like round nosed and just Really blunt and yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And and I know this is kind of this could be somewhat controversial because people have differing opinions on the whole thing. But the whole concept um, that they live by, as far as like a bullet's ability to take down an animal, kill an animal, mm-hmm. um, was transfer of energy, right? Right. right. He talked this about was awesome. He talked a lot about how people, you know, a lot a lot of people want to see a full pass through. And why do they want to see bleed that? from oh, both sides? It's going to go in, tear up the insides, and yeah, it's coming out both sides. But what did he tell you, Zach? Well, what he was saying is he's like he's like I want the bullet to hit hard, and then not to go all the way through. So the full energy of that bullet is taken on by the animal. None of it dissipates through the other side, mm-hmm. and it made a lot of sense. He was talking about a lot about the nervous system of the animal. If yeah. that thing goes through, tears everything apart, and then has to stop, all that energy dissipates to the animal and affects its nervous system. Yeah. Shocking. It's all about shocking yeah. the nervous system. Yeah. And is the the bigger the punch, right? Hit when it hits the animal, the better. Yeah. Exactly. So I I was he was just dropping dimes that I had never even thought of before. Yeah. And I knew I was you know I didn't know a lot about long range before, but it was simple information that I probably should have thought of myself. Right, but I never had, and it was just—it was awesome. He taught it in such a simplified way to me, at least. Well, he kept saying that the entire time is that this really isn't that complicated. It's very simple. They—they they both said that, Mark and Scott. Yeah, right. And it really is. Um, I mean, depending on how much experience you have with rifles and loads and everything, you probably understand a lot more of that. Some of the Hopefully three of us have a little you. bit differing <laughs> yeah. levels of understanding and knowledge before we took this course, but. Mm-hmm. We all left with a bunch of gain knowledge. Oh, everybody learned something. It's yeah. awesome. Well, right from the very beginning, you know, talks about how those the buffalo hunters back in the 1800s mm-hmm. were long range mm-hmm. harvesters. Basically, you know, they yeah. they were shooting we 12, 800 700. to 1200 yards. <clears throat> yeah. And he says we use the same stuff to figure out those yardages today. And he's like, you know, a lot of people can complicate things. And he said, but it's not that complicated. There's no reason to make it complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I was awesome. They don't believe in a turret system. They believe in a fixed reticle, right? That's common knowledge. That's out there. They they, they go by the holdover instead mm-hmm. of dialing a turret system. Right, yeah. Easier and quicker. It, and it really was. I've 
been shooting my turret system for two years now, and after that course, I was like, wow, there's a lot of time wasted in dialing it. Dialing a turret. Yeah. Yeah, because you got all your marks there. I, I think I made an analogy to it, like with bow shooting. You're just shooting the bow. It's like having a five-pin sight with all your yards just marked out a little right. bit versus... The one thing I really didn't think of until now, though, just like with a bow, if you're in between those yardages, you're going to not be holding the dot right on the money, right? Right. Because we'll break down the scope for you a little bit. Um, has different mill dots in there for your yardages from five to a thousand yards underneath the center crosshairs. Um, the 700, the 700 yard. yard. Yeah, it was a line. Um, which was their quick reference. Which was Thompson Long Range's suggestion from what i understood that's their their to loophole yeah yeah and no it's not their suggestion to loophole it's what he wanted and they made a deal with loophole to etch that right. into the glass yeah. solid that's line his all the way across the reticle yeah yeah so it's easy it's easy to know i mean that because if you look at all those dots it's like crap which one oh crap start from the top four five count six them. seven eight but when you know seven yeah yeah it makes it so easy so so without having shot like some odd yardages, um, you know, I think that could be a challenge. We didn't get to experience that. So yeah, later yeah. down the road, we could talk about that. But um, so we go through and talk about all this, this stuff, kind of the um, principles and, and what, what have you. But then we go over and we take a brand new Weatherby 3378, uh, was Weatherby Magnum. Take it out of the box, sits it on a vice, and then we start putting on the scope rings. Which yeah. they live and die by the loophole dovetail. Dual dovetail system. Dual dovetail, dovetail. Yeah. Yep. And, and those are brand new out of a package. Yeah, brand Watched new. Watched him cut them out of the package. Mm -hmm. He sets uh, this, the rings on the, the, the gun, and then they pulled out the scope right out of the box. It's a uh, four to 14, 14 power mm -hmm. scope they don't yeah. have anything stronger than that that's what they use like which was kind of mind-blowing like uh <laughs> yeah. how big was the i've got a 24 objective oh it was like probably a 40 millimeter yeah, yeah. it wasn't the big 50 ones just this it looks like a just a standard size scope you could get at any kind of yeah it was obviously very it's a loophole but i mean it wasn't those turret ones where you got the knob sticking two inches off the top. Like 24 inches long or anything. Yeah. Very sleek, streamlined scope. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. And so then he started, he put the scope on it. It right. was like, what did he tell us was the most important thing about that process? Oh, great. Now you're quizzing us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting those... Uh, the lapping. The, lap, the lapping. lapping the, yeah. the other rings. Which I had never heard of before in my life. And, and so like... The whole, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with this, um, you can listen <laughs> and, and learn like we did. And if you already know this, I apologize. But um, when you set these rings on your rifle, it'd be nearly impossible to get those set up straight and level. Just, just by eyeballing. By eyeballing it. Exactly. Or just by trusting where they snap into place or whatever. Yep. Mm -hmm. So he went through this process, and you can Google this, I'm sure, and, and find out a little bit better than I'm going to explain. But... Um, he, he went through a process with a lapping bar and running it through these rings, um, kind of in like a filing motion to see where it was rubbing on the rings. And then he would torque the, the ring back as he was after he had ran the, the lapping bar through it so he could 
try to get these things level and aligned and plumb and everything. And then right at the bottom of the rings level mm-hmm. so the rifle scope could well, so seat perfectly. First, he was trying to adjust alignment so that it wasn't rubbing left or right. right. Which he kind of explained if, if it is torqued a little, like the front one's slightly torqued forward on the right side and the back one's slight, slightly torqued backwards on the right side, then you get what he called, I think, like a, like a banana press or something in that. So it'll essentially, you cinch that scope down in there and it'll sort of crank and torque that scope sort of mm-hmm. in like a, Shape like of an a arc. banana. Yeah, like a banana. So that's what he's doing first, kind of getting it lined up front to back, totally straight with, with the rifle. And that'd be problematic in a few different ways from what he was explaining. First, you're putting all this this stress on the rifle's scope mm-hmm. um, so it could potentially screw something up in there mm-hmm. like that. But then also if you bumped it ever hard enough on something, it might totally throw right. it out of whack. Yeah. So setting your scope, getting it embedded and, and on there, Perfect. perfect as you possibly can is super critical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you do that at the very beginning. And that took him five minutes. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's had a lot of practice. Yeah, and right. he has all the tools set up. You have a video go. of that. We need to get the I video. I do have a video of that. It was pretty cool. Because um, that was something that I was like, uh, yeah. Because what did he say? He's like, I'm going to show you guys how to mount your rifle scope. You will never trust another person to do it beside yourself. And he was teasing you. Because yeah, because I've, I've worked at Cal Ranch <laughs> in, behind the gun counter, and I had bore-sided plenty of rifle scopes, and it was <laughs> nothing like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was eye-opening. Stuff I don't think a lot of people take into consideration. Even probably the majority of long-range shooters, I think. Sometimes oh, I think I just get into a hurry, and it's like, it's going to be good enough. Right. Good enough. It, I don't have the time to go yeah. through this whole process. It'll be good enough. But the crazy thing is, he showed us it doesn't take the time you would think it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually pretty quick. None of this whole class or course, everything that he taught us, it was not overwhelming at all. Like, it wasn't this huge, groundbreaking, guys, this is super secretive stuff. Yeah. It was just, you know, almost for me, it was like, keep it simple, stupid. It really was. Like it was like, really was. But he, I mean, it's stuff you'd never think of, you know, but they have it down pat and, you know, through their trial and error. And it's just, it's awesome that they haven't tried to complicate it either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of times people do to sound smarter (laughs) or, you know. So then we took the gun over and set it up um, on uh, another sandbag rest or something. (laughs) We're just resting there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, uh, got out a couple different levels he set the a level on the back on the back of the action mm-hmm. to make sure the action was level yeah because i mean so you're could, not canted yeah it could be canted i mean maybe perchance like the the, the stock or the something. stock or the barrel or you know whatever isn't perfectly level but so if mm-hmm. you'll set it on the back of your your uh, action you're gonna be good and then that helps you line the reticles up Yep, perfect. So then he sets sets the scope on, and he had a plumb bob hanging from the opposite side of the shop. Like 25 yards away, maybe. Yeah, 20, 30 yards, something. Something, yeah. Anyway. Not too far. Pretty pretty easy concept there. Line up your um, vertical line in Mm -hmm. your scope with the plumb bob line and Mm -hmm. torque it down to the specification. 30 30 pounds? 30 pounds. Something, yeah. Yeah, He he does a little torque. Torch and stuff, and, and then with that lapping and getting it seated in there, he's like, basically, it was like, you got to do a lot of, you got to do something pretty significant to get that scope to, to kind of work yeah, because now it's of, it's 
custom fit so that, that there's no error. There's no to space. that gun. Yeah, for that. No canting. Nothing. Nothing like that. The reticle is perfectly up and down. And then I had never understood why is there a level on top of the damn scope that just seems stupid to me. And then I used it every time I shot the gun. Yeah, so after he lined up the reticle, the vertical reticle with uh, the plumb bob, so now the, the action with the little level is totally level. The reticle is totally level to the action because it's lined up with the plumb bob down the, the way. And then he takes out a little, a little bubble level that you tighten onto the scope. So it came with the scope. Yeah, I think yeah. I think first he tightened down the scope rings. Yeah, so you set the scope. Yes, there you go. You set the scope and tighten down the scope rings. And once that's totally set, you know that's right. You still have everything leveled up. Then you put the little bubble level onto the scope so that it goes with the scope. Mm -hmm. And now everything's totally leveled. But what was it? And I hope we remember this because I don't. Hopefully I'm not putting you guys in a bad spot. But there was a difference at first between mm -hmm. the bubble on the action and the bubble on top. Wasn't there? He's like, if you look, you can see the bubbles a little bit more this way than that way. But I don't know if that was just him yeah. manually yeah, canting the rifle. I think he was just showing us or, like how okay. he's lining things up. What, what to like, look for. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's what it was. So <clears throat> I've seen a couple different designs, and we talked about this a little bit. Like there's, You can have a scope-mounted bubble that sits kind of off to the side, or you can have it like one that sits pretty streamlined on top of your scope. Mm -hmm. And they, they like the ones on top because... It, leaves less room for it to get hit or something or they ride horses a lot scabbards so scabbards. scabbards so anyway i i hadn't thought of that i have one that kind of sits off to the side but now i'm kind of rethinking the whole thing yeah but he explained why that is so crucial um just like <clears throat> the clock if you are off one minute in like say a foot you get out there mm -hmm. a thousand yards yeah. He gave he gave I mean, us he gave the, the numbers, numbers but and I mean, it was like what? It just basic math, you know. If yeah. you've ever done any was like six feet or, or something, yeah, it, it was feet for sure. Yeah. And it was like six feet, I think. One minute is like six feet at a thousand yards or something like that. Yeah, it was a crazy number. Yeah, so it's super critical that your your when you're shooting that your gun is straight up and down, it's level, mm -hmm. yeah. because if you're Not canted one to one side or the other, that's going to translate into like Zach said potentially feet out there however far not saying thousand yards even mm -hmm. it could be 400 yards which yeah, is well, why so they're big on bipods <clears throat> and a resting on your backpack mm -hmm. or a sandbag or a sandbag which i was gonna ask them too i was like how many of you pack a sandbag because i bet you they do you think they do well I, you can get he, some, he was showing us how to Hug the backpack. He's like, right. this, hug if you're the out in the field, this is what you do. You like, hug it like this. You basically just need something for it to rest on. Or a hoodie on top of a backpack. Something. And they make, like Everly's talk has that um, attachment you can put on your pack. That's true. Mm -hmm. For your That's stock. True. There's all kinds of systems out there. <laughs> right. But then we went over to the tank where... <laughs> a yeah, so after, after the rifle's all put together and the scope's mounted and the bubble's on the scope, they go to the tanks. Yep. And he said, this is where we're going to test the loads. And so he actually had a, a reloading bench set up behind him, and he measured out his powder and everything mm -hmm. and then went and shot. He had two chronographs mm -hmm. so he could compare mm -hmm. two, two different numbers. And he already had his sweet stuff worked up, so he was just kind of showing us. Kind of his process. His of how whole he process. It. The coolest thing of that whole thing 
was he was able to take the exact same cartridge out of that rifle, come back, yeah. resize it, and he and twenty seconds, it, twenty seconds, yeah, and went back, back and he yeah. did that four times or something, and yeah. it was like that's just cool. Like he had a whole pile of brass sitting there. Yeah, and he just used one piece of just brass, the one, which was crazy. Because I think he said like the to get that brass. Sixty-five kind of, bucks. Was it Weatherby? What was it? What was the brass? It's, yeah, yeah Weatherby, Weatherby casings. Yeah, yeah, he was like, yeah, sixty-five bucks. And I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, and that was pretty much it. Once he kind of explained their loads, um, got a bore sided, worked up. Mm-hmm. He got a bore. He bore sided it right there. Yeah, got it. Yeah, the paper. I think three loads and and yeah, third shot was just an inch low at. We were 25 yards, I think. He's like, so that's that's about where we want to start. He's like, it's still coming out of the rifle. It's still rising at that point. So he's like, that's right where we want to be. Yeah. And then I, it was. I, I wouldn't call that bore sighting. He, he rough sighted it in. No. When you say bore sighting, I'm thinking he put the laser in the end the of laser. the laser. Oh, okay. No, he, no, no, no. he shot up some paper and got it pretty close. Yeah. yeah. He was an inch low at 25 yards. Yeah. So but then one... Before while we were there, we were talking about if you need to adjust your scope. This was something I had never thought of. When if you need to move the move your scope, you know, five clicks to the right, he said go ten clicks to the right, and then come back five. So there's tension because he he gave us a a scope that had been cut into pieces, mm-hmm. and there's that inner tube inside the outer tube, and, and there's like a little leaf spring yeah. on it. On each side. On each side. Mm-hmm. Like on the top and on the right <clears throat> or something like that. On top and bottom, right and left. Mm-hmm. It, that thing's just basically, your inner tube is sitting there in between these four springs. Mm-hmm. And it's a screw. Like yeah. Just a screw pushing on those springs. Yeah. Right. And so he talked about, you know, if up and down, I think you're okay. No, well, I, I think, think if, you, if you're going both, up. Yeah. yeah. He said you always want to have a tightening motion. Yeah. Right? Tightening motion. So he said if you're going... If you're going to the right, if you're backing out five clicks, he says go ten so you can come back to the five clicks you wanted originally with tension. Mm-hmm. He's like, because, and, he, and then what did he do with the rubber mallet? Well, he was talking about how these target shooters, he's like, you'll actually see them pack around a rubber mallet because sometimes that little spring gets hung up a little bit and it doesn't make the adjustment until you fire around through it. Or these target shooters will just grab a rubber mallet and he pulls one out, wham, 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 oh, and smacks the, smacks the crap out of We're the like, scope. <gasps> That's a brand new scoop. Yeah, like, come on, man. We have yeah. to shoot that later. Trust his gear. Yeah. So that was something we, I had never thought of either. So that was cool. A little tidbit. And, I yeah. remember. And that was it. And then he said, Load let's up. head to the range. Yeah. Yeah. So we did. We, we so, were there for 45 minutes. Maybe. So, yeah, from unboxing the rifle to, okay, let's go, put the rifle in a bag and the out the door. Oh, I bet 30 that, minutes. Yeah, 30 minutes. Yeah, and he tops. Yeah, and we'd spent 15 minutes just going through that little booklet beforehand, and right. then we were yeah. on to the range. Mm-hmm. And so then, yeah, yeah, we got to the range. and Which might be one of the prettiest rangers I've ever seen. Oh, it's Pretty gorgeous sweet. there. Wow. He pulled the gun out, set it up, said <laughs> who's first. Yeah. If there wasn't so much lead flying through that meadow, I'd want to live there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there were turkeys right in front of the 1,000-yard range. After we shot it six times, After too. After we shot it. But I think one thing, you know, and, and we talked about this, because I was just asking him about cleaning your rifle, and he said that they prefer that you don't. Oh yeah, clean he said your rifle. don't clean it. He said once your barrel is fouled, he's like don't clean. Obviously, if you get mud in it or you get stuff, clean it. But he's like, we don't clean ours. He talks about, and that's what he said. Like 
I was the first one to start shooting. I think I shot at the, was it 300 yard or the Five, 400? 500 yards. Oh, yeah, we used it was the 500 yard play. And he's like, guys, that the, the rifle is going to get more accurate the longer we go. No, it was the 300. And so the first shot was a little off. And what it's called, he's like, whoa, geez, who the heck was the guy that, you know. <laughs> His eyes are going back. So Mark had to like, oh, shut, shut the hell up, Scott. And like just, you know, made the adjustments, then boom, hit it. And then sure enough, the longer we shot it, the more accurate it became. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that because I shot last and I was pretty most much, accurate? Pretty much. <laughs> but, and, but they talked about a, different, a lot of different things because I was under the impression, like a lot of other people, that, oh, the barrel's getting too hot, it's going to affect the accuracy. And he talks about the rhythm, right, of the bullet, the speed. Yeah, the harmonization. And the harmonics between yeah. the bullet and, the, and the, the, barrel. the barrel harmonics, I guess. Yeah, and every barrel's a little bit different. It's all about finding the right bullet, the right bullet, the right, right load, right, and the yeah, right, get, yeah, right, right get, powder behind the bullet too. Getting yeah. the harmonics all like aligned. Yeah. So yeah, that was interesting to hear that. And so he he basically said, when your barrel does get hot, he says he, the term cooking your cook, cooking cook around. the round cooking the round is if you load it, and then you sit there and fiddle around trying to find it. He said, yeah, you'll heat up that powder. It's going to ignite a little bit quicker. That velocity is going to be a little bit faster, which is going to throw off the accuracy of that round. Because it's not burning at the, the right temperature for right. that barrel's harmonic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you let it cook too long in the chamber before yeah. you pull the trigger. He had a couple of us pull them out a few times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And swap around. And it, well, he had it. Taking too long. Well, he had us. He pulled that one out. And he said, here, just fill this round. It's been in the barrel. And yeah. 10 seconds. He did 10 seconds. Ten seconds. That I don't in even round. think he made 10 seconds. Yeah, no, I, I don't think, think it was. I was seconds. counting, and I think I had nine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah and but he it was warm. Fill, yeah. Very warm. And that, that barrel was burn your hand hot. I mean, yeah, he's like, touch this barrel. It. He's like, but be careful. And it was yeah. toasty. And we just kept shooting. Just kept shooting. And yeah, and the thing was not shooting through a cold barrel, but shooting a cold round. Do you remember what he said? He's like, do you think that the American forces over there fighting overseas, shooting Taliban dudes are waiting for the barrels to cool down? (laughs) Hang on, my barrel's got to cool down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No. Mm -hmm. Nope, you just keep firing that hot barrel. That's true. Anyway, so you shot, I think you did start out with the 300 and then went to like the 500. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we skipped. I think he used, yeah, we went three, five, and then seven, seven nine, shots. and ten. Yeah. What did you shoot? I shot just the thousand, I think. Cause no, you went no, second. No, no. Because I, so I, did I go shot, second, I but shot I three, shooting the 900, and you I shot, shot the 900. Nine I shot two once. at three, one at five. And then, and then I, I think you, you went to seven. Yeah, I think you did went I do seven, seven and eight. Seven. I don't and think I did, we didn't shoot an even, even number once. And then I did nine, and then I shot a thousand. Well, I shot a thousand the first time, too. The first time? Yeah, I shot a thousand the first time through. I I mean yeah, I sh- well, I shot yeah. I shot a thousand yards too, but and then we went and painted well, the targets. Yeah, well back. we all shot a thousand yards, but yeah. I'm saying the progress of working up to it. But anyway. Right. <clears throat> I was just thinking yeah, I shot like the seven Oh yeah, I did shoot the nine. I shot no, no I, I did the shoot only eight. One that shot the nine. I did shoot I eight. Had the one. Yeah, right you had the one square down. right in the middle. The first right. shot. Yeah. This is the blue cornered one. But then we shot the thousand yard. We we sent three rounds at it, and Man, and Mark was right there. Okay, load it. Okay, hurry. How's your bubble? So hey, get this. Yeah. Hey, okay, shoot. The whole process. It was it's all about doing it quick. Field. He said, "I want you to put the round in, and then acquire the target, 
check for your levelness, slide your barrel over or your the butt of the rifle over to get you back on mm-hmm. and send the round. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you so yeah, you find you find the target, check the bubble, readjust as soon as as soon as you're on the target again, fire. Yeah, it was it was pressure filled. It was, but like how accurate were we? Like yeah. for we a thousand had, freaking oh, yards, we yeah, did we all hit the amazing. Plate. But not, we didn't just hit the plate. It wasn't like there's one at this corner and one at oh, the opposite true. four foot corner. Like I think I had one that was pretty far away, but uh, it still hit the plate. It still hit the plate. Yeah, you uh, can see the the, po- uh, the picture. Yeah, posted a w- photo. W- we did post the picture on our Instagram. We don't remember exactly whose is whose, but it, for the first time ever shooting a thousand yards is pretty dang good. I've never shot. I've never target shot anything further than 400. Yeah. Never. I think that basketball to. you and I did like 10 years ago was the farthest I'd ever shot at. I don't know what that was at. Probably 200. About 200, yeah. <laughs> and then <clears throat> Dylan and I, before Colorado this last year, we were out practicing. I'm shooting 550, 600. Nice. With the 7 mag. But <laughs> holy cow, do I want to buy a brand new rifle? Well, he talks <laughs> about how. 378 Weatherby Magnum. I know. And that was one of my questions was <laughs> you like, get commissions off what's, that what's your preferred caliber? And it was the 30 caliber. Why? Because it, the velocity. Because it can, yeah, still carry the velocity, fly straight. Yeah. It still is packed. Like it's, it's a flat shooting round because it's pushing that bullet out there quick. And then. Um, it's it's still maintaining what do you say the eighteen hundred feet per second and the twelve hundred foot pounds of energy transfer yep. at a thousand yards at impact that's what you want your bullet to be at nothing less on a big game animal on a says. big game animal yeah. yep. eighteen hundred twelve hundred nothing that's less. that's stopping power in a big game animal for him his his opinion I guess right and it's pretty crazy to see because he gave us some ballistics charts of a few different popular rounds mm-hmm. well, there's a twenty two something in there. I can't remember. It was what out. The first one. He had the seven mag. The Remington. And the, so. Yep, and the seven mag, which seven was pretty mags. good, I think. But for that energy level, with that round, I think it capped out around. I was looking at today. I think it was like yeah. eight hundred fifty yards or something like that for that stopping power, which is still far. Which I but good. with that seven mag round, like he was saying, because I was like, oh, I've got a seven mag. I want to put a scope on it and thing. And, when it started to blow a little bit on the range, just that touch. So let's like, talk about that real quick. I was going to lead into it. We oh went yeah. and like we shot our first few rounds, and we went up and painted the targets, checked it out, took the picture. Mm-hmm. We actually picked up a few of the bullets off the ground that were flat as pancakes. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, yeah they were great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What were we shooting? 180, 190 grain bullets? 180. 180. 180 mm-hmm. grains? 180 grains. So we went back, and we were going to shoot three more rounds each, and before Zach shot... Mark's like, hang on, you guys notice anything down there by that target? We're all looking because there had been turkeys down there mm-hmm. earlier, and he's like, see those leaves blowing a little bit? Like, oh crap, didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah and it was barely yeah. moving, and he's like, that's gonna have an effect on a thousand yards on your bullet. Yeah, but he talked about how if it was a seven mag shooting out to that 850 yard range mm-hmm. where you still have that, he's like, you'd have like. Oh, I don't know what he said. That was like he's, 48 he inches of like, drift. He'd be in the next, next canyon. canyon. <laughs> but, but I think he yeah. came out. He's like, no, you'd have probably like 48 inches of drift because it's such a heavier round and just the velocity isn't there. And it would just, yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. Not it's a, a lighter round. Not a heavier round. It's a lighter yeah. round, so it gets pushed around easier. Yeah. But it it was just, I don't know. He's like, you basically have to lob it. Well, he's like, this one just can flash more true. 
Yeah. So the flatter it goes, the less time it's going to be in the air, the less time wind can affect it was part of it. Mm -hmm. Then also the heavier the bullet, the harder it is to push around. It's like a sumo wrestler, I guess, a little bit. Like a sumo wrestler on a freight train. Just flat and fat is kind of his. <laughs> flat and fat. It's what he wanted. <laughs> I made that up, but I'm putting words into his mouth. <laughs> I like it. But no, and then we, so we're shooting a four-foot diamond, and we held over a foot, right? Mm-hmm. Is where he was telling us to hold over yeah. for the slight breeze. Held right a foot, and we're doing. We still would hit good. on the still far left of the four foot. Really, he's like he's like shade. I think he was just like hold on to the right side of the of the target, and then and we were our grouping was kind of on that left half a little yeah, bit, left half of the diamond. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was, was crazy. I was amazed. I was like, holy crap. That's a far shot and doable. <laughs> it was very far. But in, yeah, the, an hour's time. It's doable. Yeah. So we did quite an accelerated um, version of the course. But if it, anybody that's listening to this podcast has, has any interest in it at all, you can look them up at thompsonlongrange.com. You can look Scott Thompson up on Instagram or Thompson Long Range mm-hmm. on Instagram. Hit them up. They got a website, call them up, set up a, a class. But what you do is you fly in on one day and, and you start the course at about 3 o'clock. You do the classwork and then you go to you, dinner. And, and you build your rifle. You yep. build a rifle. They, so they 3 to 7, I think. 3 to 7 is what he said. And then they take you to a nice dinner. They provide the lodging and, and the meals. And then the, thing, the coolest thing is that he's like, yeah, at 7 o'clock we take those rifles, put them in the box. Don't touch them until the next morning at the range. Boom, and you're shooting, mm-hmm. yeah. leading yourself up to a thousand yards, and and then you're flying out by that next afternoon. Yeah, so it's a pretty quick deal, um, and then you have the option to buy the rifle that you built at a discount, if you want. Um, it was going into this class, this long range class. I th- I was thinking, man, they're going to teach you so much about technique, like body positioning, form. You know what to, how to breathe, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing on breathing. I Nothing didn't hear on anything breathing. on breathing. Just a little bit on posture. A little bit on posture. That was about it. And it was mostly just like, hey, you're doing but, it wrong, and smacked you. But that was yeah. like at a, a bench, you know. Yeah. Sitting on a stool. And probably we, if it were just us shooting, we probably would have adjusted the stool or whatever, right. make it more comfortable. But sure. I was like, I don't know. You're the instructor. <laughs> Tell yeah. us what we're doing. Well, and Zach asked too, I think it was you, that asked about, um, like, is any of this going to change, you know, if we decide to shoot prone or from a seated position or anything like that? And he's like, no, all of this is the same. The only thing that's changed is how you're sitting, obviously. So right. you're still looking, you, you still look through the scope, you find the, find the target, you still check the level, you find the target yeah. again and you fire. And part of that we sort of got into towards the end was the, uh, what was that called, the, a parabolic effect that makes oh, the parallax. The parallax, parallax yeah. adjustment. He went yeah. over the parallax with us. So in in the, it's all about the scope. <clears throat> um, when you're out there that far, mm-hmm. and when you adjust the uh, magnification on your scope, you have to adjust for parallax. And if so, yeah, he was explaining if you if bring it's it off, into focus. Bring it into focus. I think. If you bring it into focus, what do you bring Bob, into focus? Your, the, the the scope itself, but that's the, what the parallax does. It's the yeah, the yeah. lines. You're the bringing lines. the bring the lines yeah, into the focus. Lines into focus. And then if you bob your head, and it moves, 
go a little bit more. You're you're not. Yeah. On. You want the lines to not move. No it matter was where new information you're looking, to me. Yeah. No matter where your head position is, if your cheek high a little bit or cheek down next time you want those lines to be in the same spot you don't want them to move mm -hmm. at all because you know that's true like yeah said, he did he, say that he said you could cheek the stock a little bit different every time but if your parallax is on you're okay because your crosshairs aren't moving inside the scope right. not but, if you, but if they are moving and you haven't checked your parallax and you cheek it a little bit differently that's going to affect your shot yeah. which i had never thought of so yeah. that was that was interesting yeah i didn't realize you could bring those into focus to a point where they don't move because I don't, I'm sure everyone's experienced this. You look through a scope and you're trying to find the target and you can see the target, but you're still, you're chasing the, you're moving your head around chasing those mm -hmm. um, reticles around. Like you can't get them to sit still sometimes it seems like. And, and that's what this parallax is, bringing those steady so that right. your head can be in almost any position and those are going to still stay true down center of that scope so that you know that's where the target's at. Mm-hmm. One thing I did like about, because I asked him when we were driving back and forth, was just about different scopes. And they prefer the Leupold scope, obviously. They kind of have their own reticle etched in and, and how they like it. But he's like, listen, he's like, I've got a guy who took my course who wanted a Vortex mounted up, and they've got the holdover on it. And he says that will work just fine. So the turret? Yeah. Well, not even the turret. You have They had a fixed reticle and a oh. Vortex. So it wasn't even like they had... Um, uh, you know, oh, loophole this, loophole that, loophole that. And he said, no, if you've got a, a decent scope with, you know, the, the reticles in it with the, the holdover points. Yeah. So, you know, and on the DVD, he gives a, a DVD, he calls them pins just like you would on a bow. Okay, put the 500 pin on it. Put the 700 pin on it, you know, just. So that was just, I thought that was interesting. You know, he's like, this isn't, this isn't like a special, uh, you know, just the Weatherby 33378. Was that? Did I just say that right? Mm -hmm. 3378 Weatherby. Mountain. I've always hated Weatherby because they always have these different numbers. I'm like, I don't know what that means. I'm just used to 30 out 6, 7 mm, 270. <laughs> yeah. But, anyways, it was, you know, they were like, no, this is this is doable with other rifles. You yeah. just have to get your rounds right. So, yeah, you can take all the information from the class and take it home and just use it on. The stuff you already have, mm -hmm. or something you can go out and afford from there. Well, if you guys want to loan me, you know, a couple grand, I'll go buy me a new. Yeah, just loan it to me. <laughs> yeah. After you shoot your Colorado deer, just hand me that gun. And <laughs> yeah. We'll just have a rotate year by year. Two All right, I got it this year. year. That would that would simplify. If we, the three of us bought one gun, we hunted with one gun, that would simplify whose turn it is. That's right. We'd draw <laughs> straws to see who went first. Yeah, and or then I would just be stand like, in line mm, from there. Or use the thousand dollars to buy me my own gun <laughs> anyways whatever dude get to the back of the line <laughs> but, oh man but i i was i was really happy with how that went i really didn't know what to expect because of my lack of knowledge with long range hunting yeah. but just going through that quick course obviously we didn't get the full thing but he still took the time we to teach us. We did get the full thing well sort we of we did like Kate said it was a crash course but it, we, we got, got the booklet all the everything. information that anyone else would have gotten from the class. Like, yeah. We got all of it. The only thing we didn't do was actually hands-on build our own rifle like you will That's if true. you go pay for the course. And reload. And reloading your rounds. rounds. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you if you pay for the class, go do it. You will hands-on build and set up your, I guess not build a gun, but you will take one out of the box and do everything that he showed us to do, mount the scope on your own with his guidance, I guess. And then loading the rounds and everything, like you know, charging just right for that gun. 
which if you're going to pay for the class right now, I'm telling you, you're going to also want to take enough with you to buy the gun. Oh yeah. You're going to want to, you're not going to be able to build that gun yourself, take it to the range. The amount of recoil on that gun to reach out to a thousand yards was so minimal. You don't, you don't feel it. I think it, it kicked nothing. less than my seven. Mic. Yeah. Oh, I, I think, think so, so yeah. too. <laughs> it's awesome. And, and it just like, I don't know how you'd be able to do the, all the hands-on stuff, build it. It's now part of you. Mm-hmm. You go out, shoot the the yardage. I don't know how you go and not buy that gun. Yeah, For me, yeah, I would feel like I left a piece of me behind if I yeah. put together a gun like that, went and shot it, hit the thousand-yard mark, and then just like said goodbye and never saw it again. I felt like that, and I didn't even put it together. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely awesome. It'll make so. you want to buy the gun. That's what you we're getting at. You will fall in love with how wanna... simple it is as well, and that was huge. That's love. I love everything to be simple, and that was as simple as it gets. But so yeah, we got we got everything. I guess the only th- other thing you'll you'll get more than what we got if you t- buy the course and go and do it is probably just more shooting time. We were limited on about a half a day course for the whole deal. And well, he said if you go take the course, you're going to work yourself up to a thousand. Yeah, like we they were shoot. talking. We went like three, five, seven. Yeah, eight, we nine, skipped a, a bunch of. And we didn't shoot all, like I didn't shoot the three and the five. Yeah, right, right. You know, I just shot <laughs> Yeah, my first one was the 900. Yeah, and I that's was like, true. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. <laughs> How come I can't work up to it? Dead center. I'm like, that's right. Yeah. I don't need to work they, up But it's to crazy, it. he left, though. He left that target. He didn't paint that one over. He's like, yeah. I just want to leave that there. It's so in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish I had a picture of that one. I know, I should have. <laughs> but, yeah, so you'll, you'll get we the hands on, put it all together. and a phone scope on there. And then more shooting time than we got, but we ran through the whole deal. Mm. And we, I'm yeah, I'm just grateful they had us out. It was awesome. Very Stand grateful. up guys, Mark and and Scott, can't thank them enough. That was they have fun doing really it. Really cool, yeah. And All they make you feel like you're one of their best friends too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, personable like, guys. Yeah, very yeah, personable. Very personable. So, if you guys are interested, Thompson Long Range, they'll take care of you. Yep. Save your pennies because you're gonna want to buy that again. Yeah, it's a I better deal than you're gonna mm-hmm. find anywhere else, though. Yeah, and it you is. will have put it together yourself. Yeah. So if you you think you know stuff about long range, if you don't know anything about long range, you don't know anything about guns, go take this class. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even you if you don't want to go it. hunt long range. Yeah. yeah. Even if you never want to shoot an animal past 500, still go take it and, and you'll have the confidence. To and just if take you don't want to take the course, but you're interested in their setup, they also have that price too. You can purchase their their gun and their rifle scope and everything without taking the course. You just don't That's get true. the course discount. You get the course discount if you take the course. Right. But, yeah. And they were very, they're like, listen, we get people, you know, if you, if you guys have any questions with your guys' setups, give us a call. You know, so. They have their numbers right there on their website, both mm-hmm. Mark and Scott. Yeah, so they'll just take a call. and If you even have a question, just give them a call. Yep. To help you out. Very, yeah. very approachable. So, well, anything else to add? No. How light sportsman's open? <laughs> yeah. I want to go buy that gun now. <laughs> I think you got a special order that one. Nah, that I want to go buy a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I mean, I don't own one yet. and I, You got a couple. I want to see if we can do. Oh. I know we can, but all that stuff they did with that we went through with the course with your guns. Well, I took a picture of the dual dovetail thing. I took, I was like, hey. Copy, copy, <laughs> copy, copy, okay. I have the dual dovetail rings on my scope right now just because the guys I talked to when I was looking for rings said that that was the best ring system they, they had found. Hmm. 
Is Loophole the only one that makes that, the dual dovetail? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It made a lot of sense when so he explained why he likes it. Yeah. And I got Loophole drinks on a Vortex scope. It's kind of funny. <laughs> doesn't Just matter, though. It holds it in. It holds yeah. it in. Sure. Okay. Well, I think we mentioned how to find those guys on Instagram, social media, their website. Yeah. They do have a little YouTube channel with a few they videos do. on there, so check them out. Yeah. Yeah, just wish we could uh, reiterate to you the importance and the awe of their trophy room. Sold me. <laughs> I was Sold like, me. oh, these guys really do know what they're doing. But they, uh, they've probably got some long-range stuff going on with archery, too. I don't know. I mean, not like 1,000 yards, of course. But you I don't know. know. Like, Scott's killed a couple deer under 10 yards with his bow. Yeah, he has. Done. Yes, he has. <laughs> yes, yes, he has. Yeah, I, like you said, he likes to be aggressive. I don't think he's willing to chance it. Probably the caliber not. of deer that that guy hunts, I don't think he's going to be willing to shoot a 100-yard shot. Well, like we said at the beginning, it's, it's crazy. These guys can shoot that far distances with their rifles, but they're still sportsmen. They, they're still ethical, and they're not, from everything I've saw and talked to them, listened to all the stories, these guys aren't going to go out and just start blasting animals yeah, not just, just to do it, you know. Yeah. They're not just lobbing lead anywhere. <clears throat> yeah. They're they, still they, hunters. They they have gained the skills that if needed, they have to shoot that far. If they're in a canyon, a cross canyon shot, they feel confident doing it. But, at, you know, closer range, I can't imagine the confidence they have. Without a doubt. Well, so. a big part about being an ethical hunter is honing your skill, no matter what weapon you've got. I know a lot of the archery guys... Are always shooting that, you know, that hundred yard shot, just so that they can be completely confident at thirty. Yeah. You know, I got buddies who practice that rule of thirds thing. You know, you hitting a dime or even two inch tape at ninety, you know, you're dead on at thirty, yeah. and that's the farthest they'll shoot in the field, sort of thing. Because I'm not rich enough to buy arrows that I ruin at ninety. <laughs> that's my. It's reasoning. a it's a far bigger hay bale you're shooting it to. <laughs> <laughs> so. But, but yeah, that's the same same principle with this long range stuff. You know, I think a lot of people have a negative attitude towards maybe the ethicalness or the efficacy of of long range shooting. Yeah. But really, if you're completely confident, and this is what they talk about to us, they're saying if you're completely confident that you can hit that thousand yard target with your rifle, how much more confident are you at three hundred now? And that's that's yeah. really where it's at. Yeah, in our first podcast, part one, I guess you could say, at the expo with Scotty. I brought that up, you know, there's, I kind of had this negative taste because just the people I knew that long range hunted, you know, they like purposely would back up. So it was 800 plus on an <laughs> animal rather than, Hey, look, I can actually stock within. But, um, you know, Scott was like, no, it's not anything about that. You know, they're very ethical. And then they answered that, you know, and we talked about it on this podcast. So if you're interested in podcast, number one, take a look, take a listen, take a look. <laughs> Instead Take of a listen. So, anyway. You should listen to it. It's good. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks for listening. Appreciate all the support. Go give Thompson Long Range a like and a follow and take their class. You won't regret it.